Hi everyone, I am back. Your voice, <laughs> Ruben. As I listen to some of the previous segments I've done, especially the last one, when I discussed my daughter and fatherhood and what she has meant to me, I want you to understand it isn't just that simple, though I made it sound that way. Imagine a male father, single father, taking care of a female child. That has so many nuances to it. You can't imagine, unless you've gone through it, the all of the little stuff that is necessary when you try and, and protect them from things that they don't realize may be harmful. Let's say you go in the supermarket. And she wants to go in the toy lane and play with this and play with that. And I said, no, dear, you you have to stay where I can see you at all times. You know, you feel that protective instinct. And she was always polite. We would be in the store and a lady would say, as many people, oh, she is so cute. And Princess would say, thank you. And the lady would go on as you do on the shopping aisle. You go down one and up the other. So here comes the lady again. And oh, my God, my daughter said, you again? I said, oh, no. <laughs> but that's how innocent children are. And and I, I was didn't realize I was on a learning curve about children, especially a child who is the opposite sex from me. She had once this young girl from school invited her to come over and the lady knew the girl had a cold and wouldn't tell me on the phone. We go in and I sensed it right away and I said, we'll do this another time. That was all it took. Two days later, my daughter had an intestinal virus and it was so serious I was taking her to the hospital. I didn't want to wait for a darn ambulance. And she was in the car with her feet pushing against me and her head against the door saying, Daddy, don't let me die. Can you imagine the helplessness a parent feels when a child thinks they're going to die because it hurts so bad? And I'm praying a cop will not pull me over and I have to explain what's going on and waste more time. And I remember when we finally got to the hospital and I'm rushing her in and we go through the triage. They take her straight to the treatment room and they put the IV on her. And I remember the young lady who was doing it was new. Apparently she didn't have much experience. When you are throwing up and, you know, down coming out the other end, too, you become dehydrated. When you become dehydrated, your veins tend to to collapse. That means they're not as visible when you're trying to find a vein in the arm and the girl stuck nothing. And I was sitting at the foot of the bed and I saw my daughter's toes shoot straight out because I knew it hurt. She tried again. Nothing. I said, give me somebody else in here who can do it correctly. And she's still in pain, still crying. And finally they got the IV in. And about 20 minutes later, 
uh, they put a pain, you know, drip in it also and pain reliever. And she started to feel better. The reason I'm mentioning that is should your child ever become that ill? Are you mentally prepared for how you'll respond to it without becoming hysterical? We as parents are not afforded the opportunity of or the luxury of being anything less than organized and composed and ready to handle the job and get it done. Easier said than done. Well, I learned after that that I had to be prepared through preventative measures, not trying to correct it. I was trying to keep her out of situations that could render that type of outcome. School, I couldn't control. You know, a child in school who is selfish and won't share anything will share a cold. And Lord knows they, these kids bring them home left and right. So all of that stuff, it has a way of taking over your life. And you have to continue to learn, continue to be strong, and to let them know no matter what, they can lay on you and just be completely at peace. And that's how you earn your right to be a parent, in my opinion. It is not a piece of cake. There's no manual. You have to know what you're doing. I mean, you learn on the job, I should say. But once you've arrived, you feel a sense of accomplishment because some people can't cope with it. I remember when I was out and about and out there partying and enjoying the music and dancing, especially the slow dance. <laughs> I wasn't giving a thought to all this stuff and what what it meant to really be a parent. I looked at it from the outside. I only knew that it was demanding. You had to alter your life and I wanted no part of it. And at one point, some people would say to me, you ought to babysit and see what it feels like. I said, I don't need to babysit. My eyes work quite fine. Thank you. And now I understand what they were talking about. Prepare yourself and to experience what it means to be responsible for another life. And as we continued, Princess and I, evolving into becoming accustomed to each other, I noticed her inquisitiveness was very acute. She would notice me sitting, bobbing my head or pad my feet. And she would say, Dad, you like that music? I said, yes, honey. It reminds me of the time before you came. And she said, what does that mean? <laughs> I said, well, music quite often sometimes can help you to meet someone and once you meet it, it leads to other things. And if it seems like the right person or someone you want to be with, sometimes the end result will be a child. And in this case, you were the result. It makes a difference to remember because it helped me to appreciate where I am now. Because I used to think I was on top of the world when, in fact, I was nowhere. All I was doing was living an illusion of happiness. And I want her to understand what that life meant. I wrote 18 or have written 18 chapters, memoirs for her to, to give to her when she's 21. 
I want her to know who I was before she was born. I want her to understand how I evolved into the man I became and what a jerk I was at times and how selfish and condescending I could be when it comes came to things that I was adamant about not wanting in my life. And I made a lot of mistakes, but there's one thing I pray to God to do right, and that is to be a good father and to establish an image for her. I don't drink or smoke and don't curse in the house. We have something at home called a stress-free environment. A lot of people have never conceived that. They, they may not even know what it is. In our home, the drama stops at the door. I don't talk down to her. I don't yell at her. I don't curse at her. We have absolute peace in our home. We get along. If we don't want to see the same thing on television, she has two others she can watch or vice versa. But in our home, there's peace. And that that lack of stress is one of the greatest things I think I've accomplished because I have watched her evolve into the child she is. And when she goes to school, many times teachers have said, well, how is it you that princess comes to school, she's always happy and ready to work and, and cheerful. How, how did every day I say, because we have a stress-free home. And if you don't know what that is, you need to give it a try. It makes a big difference because it has with me. And it's hard. Sometimes I invited some people over once. I don't invite many, but I wanted them to come over. We want to play some board games and whatever, whatever. And this couple had been having an issue. And they brought that issue into my home. I was livid because they knew they needed to control that. And I had asked them to leave because I would not have that bickering in my home. And that negative feeling, that karma came in the door with them. And reminded me of how it used to be before I became aware. I implore some of you, try that. Whatever environment gives you the greatest comfort where you spend the most time, if you have control of it, try and have a stress-free environment. Just for a week, a day. Try and control it. No one in Charlottesville has ever seen me unhappy. Never. And the same thing of Princess when she goes to school. The final thing I'll share with you regarding her to make it more remarkable. One day she'll kill me for this. About three years ago, she came to me and said, Dad, something's wrong. I was brushing my hair and look at this. And her hair was falling out of her head. And I said, did you put something in your hair I don't know about? She said, no, sir. Her armpits were bare. Any area that had hair was bare other than her eyebrows. And they were beginning to thin. We're both research oriented and we're both online trying to figure out what in the heck is going on. And I scheduled an appointment at the doctor. By the time he got there, we had an idea, something called alopecia. All of her hair had fallen off her head. It looked like a, 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 chemo patient 
Now remember, Princess is six feet one. And at this time, well, she wasn't six one then, she was more like five ten, but she was still the tallest in her class. Images everything. And she goes to school and I give her a wig and the kids notice something looks different. And I said, oh, my, this is going to be a rough road. And I'm asking the doctor, how long does this last? So, you know, they have no definitive answer. They didn't know. They just said, well, it, it sort of has a mind of its own. What a great medical diagnosis. And as it turns out, it's been three years and it hasn't grown back yet. And many wigs and she takes steroid shots in her eyebrows to keep them from from becoming thin and people noticing they're not there and I just bought an ointment that she can rub in that costs three hundred eighty five dollars and her insurance wouldn't cover it. And the wigs what is with you girls? Y'all want the most expensive thing in the market. But I want her to stay focused on her studies. And I talked to all her teachers and said, look, this is the situation. And two little boys one day tried to pull her wig off. And it was a Friday. That was the only thing that kept me from doing something crazy at that school. Because I will not have anyone touching my child, especially in that way. And by the time Monday rolled around, I'd cooled off a bit, but I some of the meeting between her counselor, the vice principal, and her teachers, and this is how it's going to be. I'm not going to allow someone to berate my child. And if all you're going to do is just have a, a timeout and all that other mess with them, the next time it happens, I'll speak to someone with a little more power in this area, like at the TV station, and let them know bullying is no tolerance. Why are you tolerating it? Needless to say, we didn't have another problem with boys pulling her hair. I told you that story to let you know, in spite of all that, she still's a straight-A student. And personally, one of the most remarkable people I have ever met, not because she's my child, but because the strength of her character and dexterity is just something remarkable to see. And for those who know her, they know what she's like. Okay, boy, whole segment on Princess here. I hope some parents have gotten something from this. And I say to you, hug your child. Embrace all the things that have not gone wrong. And be strong enough to cope with the things that do. Because you are all they have. Until next time, I hope you all be blessed.